Dear teacher, when it comes to what you believe is in the best interest of the students enrolled in your class, have you ever asked this question? Don't you trust me? There was a time when I both wanted and didn't want to know the answer to that question. This was especially true when it came to a particular principle I was working under. Luckily, I never had to face an interrogation of my practice. But that's certainly not the case for many teachers out there. In today's episode, we are going to hear from my good friend, Nancy Irwin. As a very young first grade teacher, Nancy found herself in a classroom where she was watched very closely. Hired by a district that was working to improve certain metrics, not only did she have to learn the ins and outs of being a first-time teacher, one where she had to familiarize herself with the curriculum, differentiate instruction for her students' various needs, and learn how to reach her students who came from very different backgrounds, some of them heartbreaking. But she also had to discern when to administer a seemingly never-ending battery of assessments. And if she deviated from this prescribed curricular route, someone was sure to check in on her just as she was about to get creative with her instruction. Dogged by constant supervision, Nancy was brought to the point where she had to ask the question, is teaching really for me? In a minute, you'll hear my conversation with Nancy where she tells the story about this difficult time in her career. But before you do, I wanted to take a second and tell you a short, heartwarming story about a first-year teacher from Brooklyn, New York. On November 29th, 2018, Jonathan Pulliam II posted the following tweet. Moment of vulnerability. Teaching is hard. Being a first-year teacher is hard. Asking for and receiving help is really difficult for me. Teacher exhaustion is real. It's been hitting pretty hard lately. This post really touched a lot of teachers on Twitter, including me. Many veteran teachers replied sharing how they have felt or are feeling the same way. Other teachers sent some encouragement too, like Miss O, who replied, Teacher exhaustion is real. The do-it-all mentality is something I struggle with. But you are needed and valuable. You are making an impact. You are doing better than you think. Take time to step back, organize, and refine your focus. You got this. Keep pressing. At the time of this recording, the tweet has been liked over 8,000 times and has over 800 retweets. What's my take on this? First, this young teacher is taking a big risk by sharing his struggle with such vulnerability. And so publicly. When I started teaching, I wouldn't dare talk about how I was struggling, even though every veteran teacher around me must have known that I was struggling, second-guessing every move as I poured myself into the job. Instead, what I did was hide. I hid what was going on and put up a front. I wish I would have had Jonathan's courage to be vulnerable when I was a first-year teacher. Then I could have found the support that he has from his colleagues around the country. The second part of my take on this story is that Twitter is such a powerful resource for teachers. I had no idea that when I created my account in 2017, how much growth and encouragement I would experience. If you're a teacher who is on Twitter, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But if you're a teacher who doesn't yet have a Twitter account, what on earth are you waiting for? Join us. It has the potential to be the best, most encouraging, 
and most fulfilling professional development you will experience. Jonathan Pulliam, thank you for putting yourself out there. You are such an encouragement to me and other educators. You have shown that vulnerability is not weakness, but a superpower that makes you and those around you stronger. As we turn to my conversation with Nancy and hear her story, I want you to keep Jonathan's vulnerability in mind. Teaching is hard. It places unexpected burdens on us, but we can get through it together. Now, my conversation with Nancy Irwin. All right, so joining us on the podcast is Nancy Irwin. Nancy, thank you for coming on the podcast to talk with us. Yes, thank you so much for having me. A little bit of background about Nancy and I. We went to high school with one another, actually junior high a little bit and high school too. Isn't that right? Yeah, so which means it's not too long ago because we're very young still. That's right. So yeah, it's a very short while ago, um, (laughs) 1990s. Oh, um, so, and I, I reached out to you because you heard, I think back in July or something in the in the summer that I was thinking about putting together this, this show and it's taken this long to kind of put it together six months. And you kind of reached out and told me a little bit about your story. And I I thought, Oh man, I really have to talk to Nancy because most of the people that I talk to are secondary and Mm. you're a primary teacher. You have a different perspective and a different experience. And so I wanted to, to talk to you about that. But before we jump in, just tell us a little bit about yourself, like your family and your current role in school. Well, um, I have a wonderful husband. We've been married 16 years, and I have three children. Um, My oldest daughter is 13, my son is 10, and my youngest daughter is 8. So they are all around two years apart, and we are a big sports family. So we're always on the sports field somewhere. And so they keep me busy. And What would you say is your busiest time of year sports-wise? Um, probably soccer. Cause they all three play soccer. That's a little nuts, especially when they're all on different fields, crossing times and, and such. We just play AYSO. So it's not club. So it's not too intense, but, mm. but baseball and softball season, that gets pretty hectic too. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> so we do nothing in the summer. We have no commitments in the summer. Nice. Good. And that's when I see those those really nice Instagram posts when <laughs> on vacation. Yeah. Um, so what about your role in school right now? Uh, well, I've actually bounced around in different positions, but right now um, I'm actually back to my first love, which is kindergarten. And it is my jam. And I could not be happier to be back in kindergarten. That's, yeah, you have a different gifting than I do, I think, but. <laughs> I feel the same way about you in secondary. <laughs> yeah, the, the high school, yeah, it's, that's my jam. I like the high schoolers, so. Before we get into your story, and I'm going to try to get out of the way and let you tell your story, uh, but I also want to, I wanted to get into right now, like, how much do you like your job? And the reason I'm asking this question about how much you like your job right now is because you did go through a challenging time. Mm-hmm. but I want pe- so like I've been through my own challenging time and when I was there, I didn't kind of, I, I wasn't seeing what was next. And so I wanted you to just kind of share right now, like if people to talk to you and maybe meet you for the first time, what would they see about how much you like teaching now? Well, I am obsessed and 
honestly, I am excited to go to work. I'm excited to get up and I'm just excited for the next thing because kindergarten is just so fun. Everything is brand new. And mm. I mean, they're experiencing everything for the first time. It's just the most exciting time in a little little one's life, you know, and, and I get to introduce school to them. So it's almost like I have the responsibility of setting this tone. Are they going to love school or are they going to be bored and not want to go to school? Oh, yeah, and that's so, really important. Yeah, and so it's just a really an amazing, you know, role to have. And and they're, and also they think I'm an amazing singer and I'm like the best dancer. So they're easily impressed. <laughs> oh, I'd be scared to do that in front of teenagers. So. <laughs> well, I did teach middle school for a short time and I still sang to them, but even though I got a different response, it still gave them a laugh. So then right. I got to connect with them. So that was good. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just love it so much. But there was a time when it was just uh, rough. And I was really questioning, you know, if this is what I wanted to do, because it's not what I thought it was going to be, you know. Yeah. So go ahead and just walk us through that, like that time. When did when did you start questioning it? And or if you need to go back even further. Okay. Um, but like, so when did you start to really have questions about whether teaching was for you, kind of what was going on there. And then I'm going to get out of the way and let you tell the story. So Okay. Um, well, I, in my whole life, though, my grandmother was a teacher, my mother was a teacher, and I loved kids. Even my summer jobs through high school was with kids. And so I knew I wanted to be with kids. So I was either going to go to the pediatric route or the teacher route, and I chose the teacher route. And I was really excited all throughout college. I was passionate about it. I could not wait to get my mm. own classroom. So my very first year, um, I actually taught kindergarten my first year. And okay. um, it, was an, it was an amazing experience, but it was in a very, very rough part of the state. Okay. And so it was a lot of... Um, tragedy and a lot of, um, heavy baggage on these five-year-olds and mm. just stories you wouldn't believe. And so that was really tough. And, um, but a couple you know, my first three years, I was, I wound up switching districts and, um, it was just, I, then I went to first grade and it was just very like by the book, all five first grade teams had to be all the classes had to be on the same page at the same time very rote and um, you were not free to make your own decisions I mean what was best for your classroom you know our 120 minute curriculum reading block had to be only that approved curriculum and I, rem I remember I had a high reading group who was finished with all of their approved curriculum readers and so I was critically thinking and I went and got a chapter book set that would challenge them from <laughs> our, our school library. And I brought it in and our reading coach came in and I got in trouble because what? we were reading not approved curriculum during that 120 minutes. But it's, it, wait, but it was in your school library, right? Well, yes, but I wasn't allowed to read it during that 120 minutes. It was, oh it was insane. Yeah. And I just kind of felt like, 
everybody, we were robots. And I was scared because, you know, math and reading and writing and this, this, this X, Y, and Z was all, you had to go by the script. And it was like, you could not make any decisions based on what your kids needed. Like all Hmm. five of our classrooms, all like, even though they were all the same age, they all had different needs. They all had different personalities. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it was just bananas. And I was scared that I was going to forget how to be creative because Mm. I've always enjoyed being creative and, and finding fun new ways to do things or even, you know, be tactile and kinesthetic and all kinds of modalities. And it was, and it was, I was bored and I knew if I was bored, my kids were bored. Yeah. And if I, you know, tried to sneak anything in there, you better believe somebody from some, you know, district or office or position was peeking around, checking up on us. And it was, Mm. it was, it was very challenging and I didn't, it was not what I thought it was going to be. Oh my gosh. That sounds like it. Um, I do have a few like questions to ask you about that time. So the program without getting into specifics, <laughs> what was the reason behind having like that block time? Like, was it, did it have to do with some numbers that the district mm-hmm. had or the site yeah. or? Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was all because getting test scores up and um, all kinds of things. And so we had a reading coach, but then it's almost like if you have people, I guess if you want to call them middlemen, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's almost like they have to, they have to, um, you know, try and prove themselves with their job. So it was just like they had pressure okay. from the district. So then they're mm-hmm. putting pressure on us. And it was just not a healthy, hey, let's help the kids mentality, you know. Yeah, that was going to be part of the questions that I asked, too, is I know I've experienced a little bit of what you're talking about. Definitely not to the degree you have. But what I've learned later on. So in the moment when I'm frustrated, fuming, trying to understand what's happening, I didn't know this, but they were the people, the middlemen, as you described them, were <laughs> they were coming in because they were asked to. I mean, they were being told what to do, too. So just as mm-hmm. I was being told what to do, they mm-hmm. were also being told what to do. And it almost mm-hmm. seemed like maybe there should have been there could have been an opportunity for some camaraderie there where we're kind of in it together, like we're being told yeah. to do this stuff. And I have like a larger thought. I don't want to get too much into it, but I think, I guess, to what extent do you think that that was because of like the time, like with the no child left behind sort of really, because when I came into the profession, that was, people didn't really understand what was going on, but data was a big word and mm-hmm. they kept, you know, there's just this push to make sure scores were going up. Do you, I mean, how much of it do you think was that? Um, I think Anytime there's like something new and, and large, it almost just kind of like sends a panic mm. down the chain. And I think however your leadership in your district or at your school site handles that, I think affects how your school runs. And so yeah, I, I don't know. I think I was in a working with people who were panicked and mm. worried and, you know, didn't want to get, you know. I yeah. just left behind. Right. So, and then you said that when you were just like every time, so it felt like every time you're about to kind of do something creative or a little <laughs> off script that mm-hmm. you were, somebody would come lurking or I don't know, jump out of the bushes and say, haha, gotcha. Um, how, like, how often did you feel that way? Um, we, 
Well, not daily, but definitely a couple times weekly. Oh, man. At the same time that you were, you know, going through this in the classroom, which is, you know, it's hard to go through that in the classroom alone. I want to know, how is that affecting, like, life outside of work, outside of the classroom? Well, it was very stressful. Luckily, I had no children at the time. Um, And, you know, I was just kind of on edge and I didn't. You know, and the other thing is I'm in my first few years of teaching, so I'm yeah. learning my whole discipline thing and how how to manage, you know, a, a child on the spectrum. I had an emotionally disturbed kid. I had children who just entered the country that couldn't speak English. There mm-hmm. was like, you name it, I had it in those classes. Yeah. And, you know, and then also I had an abused kid and then I, a physically abused kid and I had two other children who were abused in different ways. And so it was just kind of a lot for me as a very young adult who hasn't experienced any of those things in my life. And then trying to make connections and trying to love on them, but not not taking that emotional baggage home. Mm-hmm. And then also trying to control my class where it disciplined, where everyone, it's a, a healthy learning environment. And so I couldn't just focus on all of those things as a young teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to worry about... I guess you could just say big brother coming in mm. and questioning all of the academic stuff that I was doing. And so that was very stressful in, you know, just kind of compounding. But so I was a little on edge when I would come home. And I mean, my husband was very understanding and he would help me grade all of the millions of assessments we, we had to do. We did mm-hmm. so many paper pencil assessments on these little little guys. <laughs> so he would help me grade mm. them over the weekend. And so he was very supportive. But, and that was um, first grade, the first grade class you were teaching? Yes. Okay. Wow. Well, good for him. <laughs> yeah. Jumping in there. Yeah. I, I, I hear what you're saying too about, I think I forget that sometimes um, as a more experienced teacher, if there's ever, if I'm working with somebody who's kind of newer to the profession or working alongside somebody and, and they're, they have a question or something about, what's going on in their classroom. And what I tend to do is like, if there's something related to English language arts is I'll just, I'll like download all of this stuff and I'm downloading 14 years of experience on them. And Mm -hmm. they're just trying to get oriented. Like you said, with like, I have these kids in my room and I don't fully understand their stories. And I, Mm -hmm. but I'm also expected to do all this stuff and trying to juggle all that. I mean, it's, it is mind bending. So at the low point that you the lowest spot, I guess, or right around there, who or what helped you figure out your next steps? Well, I had the most amazing woman in my life that the Lord sent to me and he just knew I needed her because she was in the right place at the right time. And her name was Barb and she was a second mom to me. And uh, she was actually at my first school when I taught kindergarten. We, She was the... Uh, English language learners, the LS support Mm. teacher. And so she was in my classroom a lot and she just took me under her wing because she's had years and years and years Mm. of experience. And she just loved on me and encouraged me. And when I would, you know, get worried or upset, or I would even try and utter an ounce of complaint because I was just like, what Mm -hmm. is happening? (laughs) She would just quote scripture over me and just really walk me through, um, that hard time. And we actually moved 
um, when I moved to the next district and my second and third year teaching, we moved together. And um, that's when I moved to first, but she also moved to that school to continue to be an LS teacher, an LS support. Well, that's um, really, that's great. And that so, you got to take mom with you to your next spot. I know. Well, she told me to move, so I just hey, did okay, what she said. <laughs> she was like, you don't need to be here. Like, let's go wow. here. And I'm like, okay. That's great. <laughs> and so I, we went together and she walked me through those next um, years in first grade, which were very challenging and just very, you know, burdening almost. And she was just my, she was just my light. And I mean, we only spent three years teaching together and um, I wound up moving back um, to our hometown and, and moving schools, but we stayed in touch. And since then I've lost her to mm. cancer, but her daughters and I keep in touch and she's just has a special place in my heart. And honestly, I don't even know if I'd still be a teacher if I didn't have her. I probably wow, well, would hey, Thanks, Barb. Uh, <laughs> I know. Threw my hands up in there and be, said, doing something yeah, else. Yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. You know what? My wife actually has a Barb at our church that is a lot like the Barb you're describing. So everybody Aww. needs a Barb in their lives. Since that time, since the low point and thanking Barb for getting you through that, uh, could you describe a little bit your journey since that time? Uh, what what has been inspiring? Like what's kept you staying in teaching? So uh, when I moved back to my town, my um, girlfriend, we had a mutual friend and she said, hey, you should try this charter school. My friend just loves it and can't stop talking mm -hmm. about it. So I, you know, we moved back kind of in the spring. So it was like a perfect time to maybe I'll, I'll sub it a little and see if I like them or not. <laughs> And, and then, you know, I'll go from there. And I subbed for a week because she went to the, she went on this trip with one of the classes, like the, the DC trip oh, with the nice. older kids. And so I got to sub a whole week. So I really got a feel of what the, our charter school right. looks like. And I was just like, this is mm. it. Like, this is what I've been waiting for. This is what I thought it would be. And so I applied and I've been there for a very long time. And so what is it about that place that like you say, this is it. And you, you've been there ever since. And it, it's like, you're, you know, brought life back into what you thought the profession would be like. What was it about that place? What are the, as a contrast to the because, old place? Well, there is just so much freedom in creativity. Mm. There, there's healthy structure. There's a map of what we're doing. We have the standards, we have our you know, our curriculum, there's like a shell of research-based things that we're mm -hmm. using, but there's just creativity to, in the way we implement it. Like my, you know, like I have an AM and a PM class. Well, I have to teach a, the same lesson two different ways because my classes need it in different ways. And that didn't happen at the previous school. No. And we have that freedom to make that decision. And we are trusted by our principal, you know, to make those choices. Oh, you're, you're ringing all the right notes, creativity, trust, <laughs> you know, adjusting for needs <laughs> and research based. This is good stuff. Yeah. It's very, it's very healthy. And, you know, our, our school believes in, I know this is very, college textbooky, but we believe in educating the whole child. Mm. So, 
So we have character development, teaching our kids to love our country and appreciate the the freedoms that we have. So it's not just mm. reading and writing math robot time. You know, we have we have music, we have PE, we have art, we have library, wow. we have technology. It's just Oh, it's just so amazing. It's, it sounds like it. You paint a really good picture. And it, well, and I mean, it. now that I'm saying this all loud, mm-hmm. we are not in a, an affluent neighborhood. Okay. We, we have a lot of refugees at our school. You know, we, we are not in a wealthy part of town either. So it's not like we've got this money flowing right. in and everything's amazing. We, uh, our charter does believe that, or our charter states that you have to each family has to volunteer 40 hours a year. So no matter what that looks like at home or at special events or in the classroom or whatever, we also put a big weight Mm. on being a team and a family. So we are working with families. We are doing this together. And so that's another, you know, another thing that's really great. Wow. Sounds awesome. I don't know other way to put it. Um, Now, if if anybody's listening, other teachers are facing something similar to that earlier situation you were describing, where it was just kind of like very controlling. People are checking in on you. You said big brother, which I get that as a high school teacher. I get that <laughs> reference. Um, what should they think or consider or do if they were in that position? What advice do you have? Even though you may think like, oh, I'm so scared because I have to stay here because it's safe and I need a paycheck and I mm-hmm. need job security which is so true. Mm-hmm. And it is way easier for me to, you know, sit here and talk about believing in something else because, you know, it's easier to talk about than actually right. do. But over time, it's going to wear on you and it's, and it's going to chip away at your joy mm-hmm. and it's going to chip away at your passion for what you do. And then, like we were talking about earlier, it is going to bleed into the mm-hmm. other parts of your life. And, um, you know, it's, I've been at a a time in my life where I did not like going Mm -hmm. to work. And I've been in a place where I love going to work. And, you know, I'm not where I'm at right now is definitely not perfect, but no place is perfect. But, you know, you just have to figure out, well, what do I want? And how do I get there? And where do I find it? You just have to figure out what kind of teacher do you want to be? And where can you go to be that Mm -hmm. person? Those are, that's true. Some good words. And um, I've been through that myself too, where it's, you know, questioning, do I stay? Do I go? And thinking through those very things that you're, you're describing. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add? Yeah. So I just have one more thing that I was thinking about. Um, when we get together at our staff meetings, we talk a lot about our what and our why. Like, what what is driving us to be a teacher? What is driving us in our classroom? Um, you know, really about the heart of who we are. You know, it, we don't come to work and just be robots and do our job and go home, you know, because we come and we love on kids. And so when we talk about those things, there, our principal encourages us, we, we need to come up with a word um, for the year of what's going to drive us. And last year was actually create for me. And this year I, I wanted, um, joy because I, 
going back to kindergarten and just the mm-hmm. joy in their eyes and the joy in their heart. But I didn't want to lose create still. So I, my words for this year are create joy. Mm. And so I'm finding how can I create joy for these little guys every day in learning, you know, the sight word she or mm-hmm. anything that we're doing. And I just, I love that we have that. And we, mm. we have little symbols in our classrooms that remind us. So when we look over on a, on a wall or whatever, it's our word. And it, and it reminds us why we are here and what we're doing. And I just really love that also about our school to make us such a community. I'm glad you said that. If I'm going to do that, I'm going to have to choose to do that on my own. And there's been a lot of teachers online sharing like their one word for the year. Mm. And I think you've just encouraged me to, to come up with mine for 2019. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So thank you again. <laughs> so if, if people are listening to this and they are encouraged as you've been encouraged in the past, or maybe they're, they're struggling, how can they get in touch with you? if they wanted to contact you. Yeah, well, I would love to hear from anyone just if they need encouragement, I would love to offer those words. Um, but you can always email me at nanstork at hotmail.com. Believe it or not, Hotmail is still active. I've had that <laughs> since high school. <laughs> yeah, and that yeah, I do remember that. Actually. <laughs> That's probably in a yearbook I have somewhere. <laughs> so. Well, it still works. Once again, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your story. I really do hope and I do believe that it will be a big help to people out there. So thanks again, Nancy. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining in my conversation with Nancy. If any of her story rings true for you and you're looking for some encouragement, you can reach out and find Nancy by email, nanstork at hotmail.com. That's N-A-N-S-T-O-R-K at hotmail.com. Also, if today's episode caused you to think of a teacher you know, and you think it may be a help to that person, join me in getting us all connected so that, as fellow educators, we can all help one another move from surviving to thriving. Please share today's episode on Twitter, Facebook, or the social media platform you prefer. Finally, If you are currently working in education and have ever thought about leaving the classroom or right now you're a classroom teacher looking for the nearest exit. First, like the word of encouragement from Miss O mentioned at the beginning of the episode, you're doing better than you think. And I want to hear your story. Email me at makethemmasterit at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe today on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, or wherever you may be listening. I'm your host, Jeffrey E. Frieden. Thank you so much for listening.